Good morning. Welcome to The Point, the radio ministry of Life Point Baptist Church of Early Texas. Life Point meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m., and we meet at the Early Chamber of Commerce Small Business Incubator Facility, which is located at 104 East Industrial Drive in Early. If you put it in on your GPS, that's the address to use. 104 East Industrial Drive in Early. It's right behind where they're building the new Longhorn Townhomes on Highway 377 in Early. Once again, Sunday school is at 10 a.m. this morning, morning worship at 11 a.m., and we hope to be able to meet you today. Today our study will be in Revelation chapters 8 and 9, Revelation chapters 8 and 9. In Revelation chapter 8 verse 1, the Bible says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and there followed hell and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. And the second angel sounded, and as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, And there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers, and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died because of the waters, because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld, and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth, by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels, which are yet to sound. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And it was And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months, and their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men." And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. 
and they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, and a day, and a month, and a year, for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand, and I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire, and of jacinth, and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire, and smoke, and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed, by the fire, and by the smoke, and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth, and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents, and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils, and idols of gold, and silver, and brass, and stone, and of wood, neither can see, nor hear, nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Here on The Point, we are studying through the book of Revelation, the official title of which is The Revelation of Jesus Christ. The Revelation of Jesus Christ, this book reveals Christ to the world by showing his return. Revelation shows us the signs of the return of Christ and what to look for, but more importantly, it calls us to repentance and it calls us to prepare ourselves for the return of Christ. So far in the book of Revelation, we have seen the resurrected, glorified Christ in chapter 1. We see the Christ in chapter 1 with his eyes of fire. We see him uh, bright shining as a white light. We see him with the hair that is white like wool. We see him standing among the seven golden candlesticks with the seven stars in his right hand. We see the resurrected, glorified Christ. See, when Christ returns, he will come back in power and glory, and he will redeem and judge. The Lord then addressed the issues with his churches and called them to repent in chapters 2 and 3. And in chapters 2 and 3, through the letters to the seven churches of Asia, we learn that there are things that are going on in our lives that we need to repent from, that we need to turn from, that we need to correct. And then going on in the book of Revelation in chapter 4, we see God's perspective from inside the throne room. And in chapters 5 through 7, we see the beginning of the fulfillment of God's plan through the breaking of the seven seals in the opening of the book. Now, chapters 8 and 9 record the sounding of the trumpets. Now, trumpets in Scripture serve several purposes. Trumpets were a call to worship. They were a call to worship outside the temple when it was time to come into worship, when it was time to go to the temple to perform the sacrifices. They often signified that time with the blowing of the trumpet, with the blowing of the horn. So that was a call to worship. Trumpets were also a warning of danger or attack. If the watchman on the tower blew the trumpet, then that meant that there were enemy soldiers approaching the city, that an invasion was coming, that a siege was about to happen. And so when a watchman on the watchtower saw coming invaders, he would blow a trumpet. 
So trumpets were a call to worship. They were a warning of danger or attack. And trumpets were also a charge to warfare. Uh, If you were out on the battlefield, there were certain soundings of the trumpet that signaled that you were to charge, that you were to attack, or that you were to fall back or retreat. In Revelation, the trumpets serve all these purposes. They call the people to repentance. They warn of the coming judgment of God. And they eliminated the rebellious. The gravity of the situation that we read in chapters 8 and 9 cannot be overstated. In chapter 8, verse 1 of the book of Revelation, the Bible tells us, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. The opening of the seventh seal ushered in the seven trumpets. And when the seventh seal is opened and those seven trumpets present themselves, this is such a moment of gravity that there is silence in heaven for the space of about half an hour. Think of things that have happened in your life that have left you silenced for an extended extended period of time. I think about 9-11. I think about the morning of 9-11, September the 11th, 2001. I received a phone call. I was in my bed asleep. I worked evenings then, and so that morning I was asleep, and I received a phone call from my grandmother who told me to wake up and turn on my television that America was under attack. And so I woke up, and I turned on my television, and I saw the Twin Towers and the Pentagon burning. And I remember I just held the phone there at my ear. She's still on the phone. Neither one of us are talking, and I'm just staring into my television. And this went on for several minutes. As I tried to process that morning, what in the world was happening? What had happened to our country? What had happened to New York City and to the Pentagon? Who did this and what this would mean for my future? There was a lot to take in. It was a moment of great gravity that left me silent for several minutes before I finally told my grandmother that I would have to go into work because my job at that point was with a local radio station and I knew that my help would be needed to relay the automated newscast, the network newscast, and to keep information going out to the general public. I read an article in which Tom Daschle was interviewed about what happened with him on 9-11. He was leading a meeting with the Democratic caucus in the Senate, and they were going over strategy, strategy over legislation, strategy over elections, things that congressmen do. They strategize on how they're going to frame elections so they can strategize on how to get reelected. So it's a it's a Democratic senatorial caucus meeting. They're at the, I believe, the Rayburn Building in Washington, D.C., and they're having this meeting. And as they're having the meeting, they were given the news that a plane had struck one of the World Trade Center towers. And so they uh, they took a moment of silence, and then they went back to the meeting and continued the meeting, because when that first plane hit, there was a question as to whether or not it was an accident or what possibly could have happened. But several minutes later, an aide came in and informed the congressman that a second plane had hit the World Trade Center. At this point, they knew that there was no accident that the United States was under attack. And Tom Daschle said that we just sat there trying to come up with words to say, trying to come up with something to, to think about, to analyze, to discuss, but nobody at the table could say a word. 
And they sat there in silence until an aide came again and said, listen, there's another plane that's been hijacked that's inbound to Washington, D.C. We've got to evacuate. The, we've got to evacuate you from this room. And that was the plane that hit the Pentagon, which if I remember, I think there's about a half hour difference there. So, I mean, they sat there in silence for several minutes. And of course, you know, there's been a lot of to do about President Bush. And when he received word of the first plane hitting the tower while he's reading to those children and the way he responded to that. And in the seven minutes that he sat there with the children after he received word that the second plane hit the tower. I mean, there are things, you know, to have the American homeland under attack and to have our sense of security and safety thinking that we were untouchable here in our neighborhoods, here in our cities, to have that suddenly taken away from us was a moment of gravity, was a moment of grave concern that left many of us silent for several minutes, if not longer. You think about what it would take, how grave the situation must be in Revelation chapter 8, that there was silence in heaven for a half an hour. You see, in Revelation chapters 8 and 9, the final calls to repentance are sent out. The final warnings of judgment are sent out and the end is literally near the consequences of your spiritual decision are real your eternal destinations are real your eternal legacy is real these things are more real than anything else which brings us to the seven trumpets the seven trumpets in the book of revelation they serve as a call to repentance they serve as a warning of judgment and they signal God's war on sin. So let's talk about trumpets being a call to repentance. The Lord calls people to repentance by showing his awesome power. We look in Revelation chapter 8, verse 5, the Bible says, The angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth, and there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. This verse foreshadows the things to come with the trumpets. There were loud voices, there were proclamations, there were thunderings and lightnings. Few things make you feel smaller than having to endure a massive thunderstorm, a massive supercell, even a tornado or a hurricane. Thunderings and lightnings, few things can make you feel as small as seeing nature around you show its awesome power. And God was showing his power here in Revelation chapter 8 verse 5 through the thunderings, through the lightnings, through the earthquake, something about the rock-solid ground underneath you giving way and moving around gets your attention. When your self-assurance or your security is taken away, God can then work to bring you to repentance. I think about that first Sunday after 9-11, we had standing room only in the churches, and the church that I was a part of, it was standing room only. Do you know why everybody came to church the following Sunday? Because their sense of security, their false sense of security, their idea that everything was going to go on as normal indefinitely had been shaken. And now they were seeking spiritual guidance and spiritual protection. When your self-assurance or your security is taken away, God can then work to bring you to repentance. The trumpets that will be blown will shake humanity 
to its core, causing men to make the decision to either repent from sin or continue in sin. And this will be a conscientious decision. It'll be a it'll be a thought out decision. It will be a reasoned decision. It will be a conscientious decision to either repent and turn to the Lord or continue in sin. These trumpets bring about a series of cataclysmic events on earth that will force men to make those decisions. Have you ever been scared for your life then suddenly reconsidered your priorities? That's what God will do for humanity here in Revelation chapters 8 and 9. These trumpets are God's way of calling humanity to repentance. The Lord calls us to repentance, not only by taking our security, by taking our sense of self-assurance, but also by taking our resources. We look in Revelation chapter 8, verse 7, the first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. Hail, fire, and blood. What happens in verse 7 is an act of God, no question about it. A third of trees burned up. That's a resource for building. That's a resource for paper. That's a resource for tools taken away. The grass, a third of all grass being burned up. That's the food supply for livestock. Livestock don't have anything to eat. Livestock aren't going to live. Livestock don't become steak on our table. You see the interruption of our food chain. Building, hardware, livestock, all these industries impacted, and our food supplies are impacted by that first trump. And then we go to verses 10 through 11 here in Revelation chapter 8. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the stars became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. Man likes to think that he's self-sufficient, that he doesn't need God. But take away his basic necessities. Food, supplies, water, shelter, and he learns the truth. These horrible things were being poured out on the earth, not in order to punish man, but in order to call man to repentance. You see, man doesn't respond to blessing. Man doesn't respond to prosperity. Man does not become prosperous and then turn to God. In fact, prosperity many times gets in the way of men seeing the truth and turning to God because many times when men are prosperous, they get the idea that they are the reason that they are prosperous. They brought their prosperity upon themselves. And you look at the history of our country. The history of our country, you see our country go into cycles. You see in the founding days of our country that those were hard times, and those hard times forged great men, forged strong men. Those great, strong men went to work and created good times. And we see that there were good times in our country's history, and those good times fostered soft men, weak men, who did not have to struggle and fight for everything that they had. And those, those weak men, those soft men, made decisions that squandered the prosperity that they had 
And so we see that there are times in our country's history that the good times created by good, strong men were oftentimes squandered by weak men who created hard times. Those hard times, in turn, created strong men, foraged great men, who in turn created good times. And you can see that play out in the history of the 20th century. You'll see that in the 1920s, the Roaring Twenties, we had times of unparalleled prosperity, and America kind of became a place of, and, and granted, post-World War One, and there were a lot of psychological issues there. Um, you can, you know, they call it the lost generation for a reason. You can kind of get an insight into the mindset of that generation by reading Ernest Hemingway's The Sun Also Rises, although there's a lot of questionable content in that book, so I, I'm not necessarily recommending it to you, but it does capture the mindset of the Roaring Twenties and the Lost Generation. You had the World War I generation that sacrificed. They came through the late 1800s, early 1900s. The Progressive Era fought World War I, which created the good times of the 1920s. In the 1920s, everybody became used to partying. They became used to, dr- to drinking. Even though there was prohibition, they became accustomed to living it up. And what wound up happening was we wound up running up a bunch of credit, taking on a bunch of debt, which led to the bank runs of the late 1920s, the stock market crash of 1921, which paved the way for the Great Depression. So you had a situation there. We had had good times, which created weak men, which created hard times, the Great Depression. Now, what happened during the Great Depression is Americans learned about hard work and sacrifice, and these are things that we have to relearn every so often. We were built on those principles, but sometimes we have to be reminded of them. And so there was hard work and there was sacrifice, and those hard times led into World War II in which uh, men stood up and they fought the battles. They sacrificed themselves to create a better world for those that would become that would be their children and for those that would come after them. And so you have a generation that literally saved the world in World War II. The hard times created great men who won World War II and ushered in a period of prosperity in the 1950s. The hard times of the Great Depression and World War II created the great men that fought World War II and won World War II, and those great men created the good times of the 1950s. The 1950s was the baby boom generation. We had new technologies, new appliances, new conveniences, air conditioning, refrigerators, television, uh, radio in cars, uh, cars. I mean, we'd had those for a number of years, but they were getting better. We had the love affair with the automobile, and suddenly we had the ability to take a family vacation every year. And because of the demand on labor, life got better for the American worker. And so we had some good times in the 1950s. The baby boom generation was raised up. But then as history records, and this is, not, this is not all baby boomers, because many of you listening to this program are baby boomers, but if you look at the voice of the generation, the way the generation is perceived, that those, they're called the me generation, that things are so prosperous, that things are so readily available, that the me generation, the baby boom generation, was used to being able to be consumers, to be able to demand something and be able to get it. And that led to a certain self-centeredness, which led into the hippies and flower children movement of the late 1960s and early 1970s. And we saw some hard times. Uh, and there, there are a number of political forces at work here, Vietnam, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, Richard Nixon. I get that. I mean, this is all, you know, these are all creations and effects and affects on the culture. And so that created some hard times in the 1970s. 
the hard times of the 1970s created strong men who created some good times in the 1980s. And, and see the trajectory. It goes up and it goes down. It goes up and it goes down. And so when we're in times of prosperity, the, what I'm trying to tell you in all this is that when we are in times of prosperity, we don't tend to think about what our real needs are our spiritual needs. We don't tend to think about our moral fortitude because things are good and it's easy to gloss over what's not good with something that you can easily purchase because things are good. Man doesn't respond to prosperity. Man responds to hardship. If you look at the nations of the world where Christianity is growing the fastest, Christianity is growing the fastest in nations where Christians are enduring the hardest persecution. China right now is cracking down on Christianity. Right now, the fastest area of growth for Christianity is in China. There's a series of islands called the Maldives, or the Maldi- Moldova. It's called a couple of things. Um, Muslim nation, zero tolerance for Christianity. We're seeing a soul harvest there. Um, Vietnam, in years past, has been horribly cruel to Christianity. We've seen Christianity grow there. In the nations where Christianity is receding, where Christianity is in decline, Europe and North America, particularly the United States. Why? Because these are the areas of the world that are prosperous. Man doesn't respond to prosperity. Man responds to hardship. And therefore, when these seven trumps are blown, these seven trumpets are blown, God will pull all the stops out to call man to repentance in the final days. And that happens by putting man through hardship. These trumpets serve as a call to repentance. They also serve as a warning. In verse 813 here in the book of Revelation, John says, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. This angel is warning that God is not finished, that he's not done. The woe is to the inhabitants of the earth, those who continue to live godlessly and continue to live in sin, those who love the world and the things in the world and not God. And this woe is hardship, heartbreak, judgment, wrath, and calamity. In other words, what this angel is telling the men of the earth, if you don't repent, things get worse. And we see in Revelation 9, 4, that these, these critters, these locusts are released, and it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which had not the seal of God in their foreheads. Those locusts could sting and torment the ungodly for five months, but not kill them. This is prodding the people of the world to repent. God calls us to repent. He warns us to repent. He calls us in blessed times, but oftentimes we don't respond in blessed times. So he has to use hard times to get our attention. He may even warn us by allowing us to endure the consequences of our actions. But if we still rebel, we remain enemies of God. And therefore, the trumpets are also a call to war. The trumpets usher in the vials of wrath. They call to repent. They warn of judgment. And then they sound the war cry. 
in verse 19 in Revelation chapter, excuse me, verse 15 in Revelation chapter 9, the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. Think about a third of the world's population being wiped out. God's call did not turn the people to repent. His warning didn't turn them to repentance. So God begins judging men and sending them to eternity. What's the effect of all this? In chapter 9, verses 20 and 21, And the rest of the men, which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. In spite of all this, man didn't repent. And so man gets subjected to the wrath of God. But you don't have to make that mistake this morning. God is calling you to repentance if he is calling you to turn from your sins and to trust him and to place your faith in him, to trust Jesus Christ as your savior or to rededicate yourself to the Lord. You need to make that decision this morning because ignoring God's call leads to destruction every time. Life Point Baptist Church meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m., and we meet at the Early Chamber of Commerce Small Business Incubator Facility, which is located at 104 East Industrial Drive in Early, behind the new Longhorn Townhomes on Highway 377. Hope to see you this morning. May God bless you, and may God keep you.